Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. As always, thanks so much for checking out the GM Shuffle. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, rate and review. Appreciate all the comments that always come in from all of you. And by the way, if you have a question, because I often get asked this question, is how do I get a hold of you guys? Well, you can go to the GM Shuffle at gmail.com, and you can go ahead and ask whatever question you have for me and Mike, and we always appreciate uh, you know being as interactive as possible. You know, Here are some of the, the comments we've gotten. This was, in fact, just from this past Friday. This was from D. Housel. Come for the football insights. Stay for the gambling advice. Could Mike just make it more clear which side of the bet he's taking? I had the misfortune of finally putting down my money on his down bet, but I'm sticking with it. Uh, Mike, the previous advice to check out the hold steady is spot on for an early Bruce fix. How about that? Yeah, I love that. That's awesome, right? Yeah, people are loving hearing the behind-the-scenes talks, and we'll keep it going as always. Let's start it out first with the Patriots and the Ravens, Mike. It was the game of the weekend here, and... The New England Patriots finally show some mortality, and that defense, which had been so rock solid, were averaging in single digits in terms of points against, uh, they finally get a real test there in Lamar Jackson, who was fantastic. And this was the thought I think a lot of us had with New England was, yeah, okay, they are a great team, but let's wait until they face some stiffer competition at Baltimore against Lamar and company. Great game plan from John Harbaugh. What was your biggest takeaway from seeing New England finally lose a game? I thought New England lost the game. I thought that Baltimore dominated the game. I think New England beat themselves. Anytime New England gives up four first downs by penalty, you know, the first drive of the game, they they get offsides. Something was going on with the snap count. You know, we were too busy with the narrative of explaining how Lamar Jackson was always within the destiny of the, the Baltimore Ravens and how they visualized this offense with them, even though they traded down three times in the first round and picked them the last pick of the first round, right? Somehow that got lost in the conversation. You know, we were talking about how they're going to build this team and you can't chase West Coast quarterbacks that you have to, you know, invent your own quarterback. Meanwhile, they're drafting tight ends and everything else before. But that being said, you know, the four-point play to start the game off, I think New England really stubbed their toe. I think this is the greatest thing that could ever happen in New England. I really do. I think this is it takes off that whole conversation, are they going to go undefeated? It also allows them to get a perspective on who they are, who they really are. They got punched in the mouth. They didn't handle it very well. Baltimore beat them. And I think it just opens up the one thing I think Collinsworth said that made some sense last night was it opens up an avenue of, look, this guy is unique. And uniqueness doesn't necessarily always have to be uh, the vision that we have. Uniqueness can be something else. And I think that that's really what Baltimore is. Baltimore's unique. And if you continue to judge Baltimore based on a drop back pass game, based on a how Lamar throws the ball, then you're just you're going to miss the boat. And I, I equate it to Allen Iverson of the 76ers. He shoot nine for 32, and I'd bitch about you know how bad he was shooting. And and then I realized he made five plays that won the game for the 76ers. You just got to put it in a different perspective. I think that's what I learned from that game. Uh, one thought here, my buddy Rosillo tweeted this out. The Ravens love Lamar so much they traded back in the first round twice and then took someone else at number 25 before trading for another pick at number 32 to take him. And as you tweeted, Ryan, stop letting the complete facts get in the way of the narrative. All the moving around was to gain more time to design the team around the quarterback they haven't picked yet. This is interesting here, the way people are looking back at what Baltimore did and how they wound up with Lamar Jackson. 
Yeah, remember now, Lamar doesn't run a 40, right? So everybody's concerned. His mom represents him. Remember, let's go back and revisit all this. And somebody asked me, what did Mel Kuyper have Lamar? I don't even remember. I think he was always the fifth quarterback, you know? Yes. But this narrative was never about, you know, if you draft this guy, let's build a team around him. This narrative became, you know, they can say what they want, but the owner, Steve Bishotti, is the reason why he's on the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, he, Bishotti was like, look, we got, we're not going to – that narrative that John Harbaugh was describing, I think really came from Bishotti. I think it was Bashadi's narrative that that's what he wanted. He wanted to say, stop this nonsense about let's find the next West Coast offense because where Collinsworth never finished a sentence last night was, okay, stop trying to find the next West Coast offense. You kept Marty Morningwing on the next year to keep him as the coach. You were trying to run the West Coast offense, you know? Like, stop. If this was what you were going to do, why didn't you just go all in on Roman at that point, right? Why didn't you just go all in? And I think that we lose sight of it. We have this revisionist history of things that go on in, in the NFL. And look, I'll say this. I watched the mayor of Munchkin Land, my man, Kyler Murray, on Thursday night. And I'm sitting there watching the game and I'm saying to myself, look, if, if Arizona drafts Lamar Jackson at 10 and doesn't trade it or just stay where they were and doesn't trade a third round pick for him, they have Lamar Jackson and they have Nick Bose on their team right now. They'd be pretty good. You know, instead they have Kyler Murray, who's a nice player. I don't know if he's going to be this dynamic player that he is. He's not Lamar Jackson in terms of speed. That I do know. So I will give the Ravens credit for this, is they do understand that they're all in on this now. You can't go lukewarm on it. You, you're going to change your playbook. you got to change everything you do. you got to draft players. And the fact that they have these three tight ends makes it problematic for a team like New England who wants to go – and kind of change the tempo. They're a little bit like a basketball team. They've gone big. Everybody else goes small. They go small. They go big. It's tough to match up to them if you don't have the right pieces. I thought New England had better pieces, but they couldn't hold up to the power of Ingram and the power of their inside run game. Ultimately, Baltimore emerges victorious. Like you said, maybe it's a good thing for New England. Now, Bill can point out to his team and say, okay, look at the mistakes you've made. Now i got to clean this up. And in terms of the Patriots finally losing a game, you also get the Dolphins finally winning a game. Ryan Fitzpatrick throwing three touchdown passes, two of them to rookie Preston Williams. The Dolphins finally win. They beat their former coach Adam Gase and the Jets 26-18. to Sam Darnold 27-39 for 260 in the loss. But how about the Dolphins for perspective, Mike? They avoided what would have been the second 0-8 start in franchise history joining 2007. That means the NFL's lone winless team, the Bengals, call them the Bungles at 0-8. They're the frontrunners right now for the number one pick in the draft. That's crazy. It's unbelievable. You know, and last Monday night, you know, there was the ESPN panel was on, and they were ripping the Miami Dolphins who were playing on Monday night. We talked about this on the Thursday GM Shuffle. They're ripping them about how unfair it is for the, what the Dolphins are doing to their players, and they're unsafe to put them out there in that environment. And I text somebody at ESPN. I said, are these guys watching the last three games? Like, you could say what you want. Miami's bad. I mean, they're they're trying, but they're bad. They're not not trying. They're bad. I'm, I'm not going to argue with that with anybody. I think nobody in Miami would argue. And they're trading away pieces to rebuild their team. They're bad. There's no doubt they're bad. But they are trying. They had Washington. They could, they, they could be a two-win team. I mean, if they get the two-point play against Washington, they could be a two-point team. They could be a two-win team. I mean, they're trying. The problem is they're not any good. And for you to criticize them for harming their players, do players want to play on a losing effort? Of course not. But most of them are young players. They don't know any better. Like, you know, and they've gotten rid of the players that want to go somewhere else. Some guys need a career. That's why we have this XFL. Is it fair for kids to play in the XFL? You know, they could harm their career. I mean, seriously, I think the narrative that we put on this is so unfair and it's wrong. But, I mean, look, Miami – 
They went down there. They're trying to build a culture. And the Jets, to me, which are the back end of a team that I've ever seen in my life, just have no chance. I mean, the Jets have no chance. And it starts really with their owner. It starts with their owner because I don't think their owner really understands what it's going to take to build a franchise that can compete on the highest level. And that's obviously frustrating because if you're a guy like Sam Darnold, who we saw without him, just how bad the Jets were with him, at least he gives them a glimmer of hope. But it's one thing to say, Mike, well, you got a franchise quarterback, you can build around him. But if you don't trust the ownership, if you don't trust the GM, if you don't trust that coach, well, then what do you have besides one good player? You don't have anything, right? You don't have anything. And I, and I think this, look, if I were Christopher, if somebody said, what would you tell Christopher Johnson? Like, what would you say? I would say, here's, here's what I would say. I'd say, look, there's five principles. Let's just say, let's call them five of what it takes to build an organ. Like, these are like lessons that the owner should have. Like, if you can do these five, you can build a successful NFL team and if as an owner. This is for an owner, right? And most of the owners, people think, well, they, you know, they've made all this money doing this, doing that. No, they, they don't have a clue about what it takes to build a team. So the number one thing an owner needs to have is common sense, right? Like let's just take the Jets, for example. They employ Charlie Casterly to go out and hire a GM. And it's shocking. I mean, I know you're going to find this completely shocking that Charlie felt the best man for the job was Mike McKagan, his assistant at Houston. He's the best man for the job, right? That's what he felt. Like, there's no doubt. So you hired Charlie. Charlie got his friend a job. So, But that's okay. You do that, right? So now then they put Bowles and him together, okay? And they set on a five-year journey. They've won 28 games in the last five years, right? So – then they decide that Bowles has to be the problem because McKagan's saying their talent is too good, even though they've only won 28 games. Bowles has to be the problem. Let's get rid of Bowles. We'll give McKagan all the power. Him and his henchman, Brian Heimendinger, will give them all the power and we'll let them go out. They try to hire Matt Rule from the University of Baylor. And they tell Matt Rule, we're going to pick your staff because, you know, we really know what's going on around here. I mean, we understand the NFL. We've won 28 games the last five years. We know better than any fucking buddy about what it takes to win in the NFL. So you just shut up over there, Matt Rule, and we'll put together your staff, right? Okay, Matt Rule tells him to go stick it somewhere. He says, no, thank you. Adam Gase says, okay, fine, I'll take the job. Okay, they tell him, you got to hire Greg Williams. He swallows hard. He hires Greg Williams. Okay, now he's got Greg Williams, and he's trying to put this thing together. And soon on the job, he realizes what most everybody in the NFL knew was that Mike McKagan knows really nothing about building an organization or building a team. He's just a college scouting director. Cashley obviously didn't realize that. So the building of a team, they don't draft an offensive lineman in the first four rounds, his first four years there. The kid polite they draft in the third round. This year's already cut. He's on the street. So forget that. Okay. So Gase comes in. He realizes that McKagan's going to kill him, even though McKagan got him the job. But McKagan got him the job based on conditions. Okay, fine. Fire McKagan. Now Gase comes in and says, why don't you just hire my buddy, Joe Douglas? He and I are together. Give Joe Douglas a job. Pay $3 million a year for Joe Douglas, a first-time general manager. Manager, never got a general manager's job before in his NFL, never been really in charge of anything, right? And he gets $3 million a year because John Lynch is making $3 million a year out there in San Francisco. So you got to pay Joe Douglas this kind of money or else you'd never get him to leave Philadelphia because he's the most sought after guy. He's running the most successful campaign better than Joe Biden, never could run one, right? So we got to get him. So we bring him in. Now, he's never dealt with players. So now the first time he gets to deal with players, he lies to Jamal Adams and his agent and says, oh, no, we're not trying to trade you. Meanwhile, he secretly goes over to the telephone. He calls up the Cowboys and says, it's going to take a one and two twos. If you want Jamal, you can have them they have a meeting down there they convene the clapper jerry steven jerry jr charlotte they all get in a meeting the they all come in they say one and two twos should we do it for that not too much rich we're at we pass so 
the number one thing is common. Does any of that make any sense to you? What I just said? No, exactly. The bottom line is there's just not a clear plan, right? They're not forward thinking. It's not a, it's not true organizational. There, thing. There's no common sense. So like an owner needs to have common sense, right? That's the number one thing. The second thing is he needs to create an environment of stability. So he now today, when you pick up your paper, you're in New Jer- North Jersey. If you come down from the your house and you pick up your star ledger <laughs> in your bathrobe and you yawn and you read the back page of that star ledger or, or the front, you know, you're going to get your ass ripped based on what happened in Miami, right? You're going to get out there. I mean, and puss isn't waiting in the driveway for you, right? He's not down there waiting, right? He doesn't have a coffee and a donut ready for me. We're going to go whack some people at the bing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, you know, he and he didn't come back from Puerto Rico, you know? So now you're going to read this, and all of a sudden they're ripping your ass because you're the owner, right? So you have to create an environment of stability. Like, you have to be the center voice of stability which they're clearly not. You can't listen to what people are saying. What the Jets do most of the time is they listen to outside voices. You know who the number one influencer are for the New York Jets? Who's that? The league office. The NFL league office who know nothing about football, but they have an opinion on everything. The only thing that they're really good at doing is catching the 545 train. That they get a doctorate degree in. They can get out of there quickly, right? Right? They get a doctorate degree in the 545 train. So they listen to the people in the league office, or they'll listen to somebody like Cassidy, who's got an agenda to hire his friend. Okay? So, therefore, that's two. Then three, got to believe in the right people. Now, Johnson can't do this because he doesn't even know who the right people is. I mean, McKagan came to him and said, you know, it's all Todd Bowles' fault because we've won 28 games. Meanwhile, his team stinks. So you got to know who to believe in. So that's the hard thing. Four, you got to have a sense of pride within your organization. Like when the Browns wear those all brown jerseys, there's no sense of the pride for the team. They look like a giant turd out there, right? <laughs> like at some point, you're the owner of the team. You have to build the history. Bill Walsh used to say this all the time. Marines fight for Marines, right? We fight for what we believe in, the bigger cause. You teach it. When you walk into the Patriots cafeteria, there's pictures of all the Patriot players on the walls that were great Patriot players because Belichick's trying to make sure the players understand the history history of the team preserve the pride of the team and then the fifth thing is the owner has to care more than anybody it's got to hurt him today that he lost this bat and he's got to fix it but the jets can't do any of those five things the jets think they're a first round pick away and they ignore all those five things it's definitely a horrible franchise and a team in turmoil the question now becomes this the Bengals have the number one pick because the fact that they are the only winless team right now at 0-8. Who's going to be the number one pick? Is it Joe Burrow, the LSU quarterback, the best pure passer of this draft who's been electrifying for Ed Orgeron? Or is it Tua Tungavailoa, the star lefty for Alabama out of the SEC? And the question could be, is Tua going to be more Steve Young or Tim Tebow? I think it's going to be Chase Young. I think Chase Young's first pick in the draft. I think based on everything that I've seen so far. He's the defensive end from Ohio State. Uh, defensive end from Ohio State. I think every if the Bengals have the first pick, which is a good chance they will, and I think even if the Dolphins have the first pick, I know there's a good chance they will. Could you imagine... Could you imagine, you know, let's just go back and revisionist history. The Browns have, what, one in four, and they take Baker and they take Denzel Ward, you know? Could you imagine if they, they would have taken two other players, say they would have taken Bradley Chubb and Quentin Martin, whatever, and then traded up to get Lamar Jackson? Oh. Think about that. <laughs> Think about that. Lamar, you know, Lamar was labeled the wide receiver of the draft, right? But the reality of it is, is of the five, of the five, he's the best player of the five. If you just go to QBR ratings and you look at them, I mean, it's kind of funny how it, how it all has panned out. But if you just go to QBR ratings today and you look at the ESPN, now I'm not saying this is the doctorate of, of what quarterbacks are, but if you just go there and see the seasonal leaders of this, the, the last one obviously is 32 is Mariota, 31 is MVP Mitch, 
30 is Josh Allen. 29 is Sam Darnold, same draft class, right? 26 is Baker Mayfield, right? And then you go all the way up. You know, not even – the other guy we're missing here is, is Josh Rosen. He's not even in this thing because he doesn't play. And five is Lamar Jackson. I know. Think about that. It's wild. that Everybody had a mic as last of all those quarterbacks. Everybody kept saying, well, he's the, he's the afterthought. Maybe you take a flyer on him. He's the wild card. Maybe it pans out. Instead, he's the guy who's the best. He's the fifth overall, and of course they had a plan all along. They knew exactly what they were doing. As, as Ryan Russello said, they're trading all over the place. Even you know, at least at least he gets it right. Think about that. Now it's just in perfect order. I mean, Josh Allen, Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, twenty six. Darnold went to second, and Allen went third, and then we went Rosen, and then we went fifth. And meanwhile, the guy picked fifth is better. So my point about this conversation is, like, if I'm the Bengals or if I'm the Dolphins, I'm taking something that's known. Chase Young's known. He's a great player. I'm taking him. I'm going to figure this other thing out. There'll be ways to get the quarterback. You can probably – Miami, with all the arsenal they could have, they could end up with Chase Young and a quarterback, right? They, and if Ryan Finley plays good this weekend, or if he does, I don't know if he will or not, but if he plays half decent, the Bengals, knowing the Bengals, they'll say, screw it, we're just going to go with him. Yeah, that's true. It, it, it Honestly, it remains to be seen, but the Bengals right now in line for that number one pick. Coming up after the break, the Packers falling for a classic trap game. Mike and I break down their shocking loss when we come back. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Melvin Gordon scores two touchdowns. Michael Badgley, that's right, the lord of the field goals. Four field goals there. The Chargers dominate the Packers 26-11. to Shocking result to see Green Bay lose their second game of the season. Gordon came in averaging, Mike, only two and a half yards per carry. He gets 80 yards on 20 carries, a couple of one-yard TDs. But bottom line is this, San Diego, they rush the ball, season high 159 yards, and they average 4.2 a carry. You think Green Bay's defense is overrated? I said it on the Thursday pod, and I went ahead. Here's what I thought. I thought I sculptured the game in my brain. I thought this would be a shootout. I thought this would be a game where both teams were moving the ball up and down the field. I thought it would be a classic Anthony Lynn, screw it up at the end, Packers win by five, six, or seven at the end of the game. You know, just Aaron Rodgers, a little bit like the Detroit-Oakland game, the way that ended up. I thought that's the way that game would go, too. I wasn't sure who was going to win that one. 
you know, I mean, I don't know what play Detroit was running at the end of the game. Uh, but anyway, I thought that's the way this game would go. Never did I think the Packers would be two for 10. Never did I think they'd have 184 yards. Never did I think they'd only have the ball 24 minutes. Never did I think that they wouldn't be able to move the ball. I thought, I thought with 100 degree certainty that the Packers would give up over 400 yards. You know why? Not because I'm a savant, but because in the prior four weeks, they've gave up over 1,600 yards combined to the opponents. Four games, divide, four into 1,600. My Hofstra education tells me that's over 400 a game, right? There they gave up 442. I knew that was going to happen. I didn't know that Mitchell Trubisky, MVP Mitch, was going to have a higher QBR rating than Aaron Rodgers on that Sunday. I didn't know this. I could not predict this. I'm shocked I couldn't, but I just didn't. I mean, it's like unbelievable. Like, where did this come from? Like, the Packers were never in this game. Like, this game was over in the first quarter. By the time I left the Borgata, it was over. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers is 23 of 35 for 161. Four-game win streak comes to an end. And But is this one of those games, Mike, you say it's an anomaly? You say, all right, Green Bay loses trap game, they're still going to win the NFC North, and they're still a legitimate Super Bowl contender? Or does this give you pause to say, hey, you know what, we do see some weaknesses here that will prevent them, not necessarily from winning the division, but not being a team that you can count on come playoff time? I think this, I really think the Packers and Vikings both have severe liability in their secondaries. I think their defenses are way overrated. I think the media has made this, look, the Packers are all about turnovers. If they get turnovers, they're going to win. Like in the Eagle game, they didn't get any turnovers. They couldn't win. They never get control of the game. The Packers will not get control of the game. They have to rely on the Smith brothers to rush, and they can't really cover. And and Mike Pettin, his scheme, he's a good coach, but it's a little bit of battleship football. And battleship football is simply this. When we played battleship as a kid, K5, miss. Okay, let me try G3. G3, hit. Okay, G4. All right? So it's always a little bit of hit or miss. And some weeks he comes out and hits, and some weeks he misses. The last five weeks now, he's given up 2,000 yards. 2,000 yards, right? There's a lot of misses here. And they can't really cover in the back end. And look, that Packer game against the Raiders was a lot closer than what the score indicated. Raiders got a chance. The Raiders moved the ball on them. They just turned the damn thing over. Derek Carr made a stupid mistake. So I, And then the Vikings... Go back and watch the Lions tape. The Vikings never get control of that Lions game. They rush the passer. They win the game because of Hunter and Griffith and their defensive front, not because they could actually cover. And I think these these whoever wins the North is going to come down to who can fix their defensive problems because we saw the Chiefs move the ball on the Vikings yesterday. We saw that. You know, I mean, Tyreek Hill, how he can make plays to beat you, I have no idea. Like, I'm doubling Tyreek Hill off the bus no matter where he comes in at. Like, he's, you know, and he, I mean, he was doubled, but it's one thing to be high-low doubled. It's another thing to be pressed. It's another thing to be jammed and then have somebody on top like the Patriots did in the playoff game. So I think the winner of the North is simply going to come down to which of these two teams can actually play more consistent defense over the next eight weeks. You mentioned the Vikings. They lose the Chiefs 26-23. to You mentioned the inconsistency of the secondary. Same thing with the inconsistency with Kirk Cousins. He throws for 220 and three touchdowns, but when the Chiefs were blitzing him, he had some issues. Dalvin Cook held to just 71 yards. Stephon Diggs, your top receiver, had one catch for four yards. All that being said, how about Matt Moore? And props to Andy Reid. Matt Moore steps in for Patrick Mahomes. This guy was coaching high school football. He comes in, throws for 275 and a touchdown, and made some big-time plays when they had to. I mean, that's stunning that Casey was able to pull it off. Good for Andy Reid. 
I mean, incredible, right? What a great coaching job. He had the ball 30-some minutes. He's only four for 13 on third down in the game, but yet they made effective plays when they had to make them, and they got the ball down the field. They made explosive plays. I mean, the huge gain, they made two huge plays to Tyree Kill, the big run. I mean, give them credit. I mean, this is a game Minnesota is going to kick themselves in the butt. Now, both everybody in the North lost, which is no big deal, but it just shows you that Minnesota, when they have to play outdoors on grass, they can't control the environment, they can't control the snap count, you know, they can't control the pace of the game, and when they go on the road, they have problems. They, if they can't run the ball, they're one-dimensional, and they can beat shitty teams that's not a problem. But when you got to beat a good team, a team that has a, that understands how to attack you, then it's a problem. So I think this North is coming down to whoever can fix the defensive issues. Also, Adam Thielen re-aggravated his hamstring injury, so that could be a real concern for Minnesota's offense, right? If you don't have Thielen, watch out. That's a real issue then for Kirk Cousins and company. Yeah, and that's why you see Diggs get, you know, all of a sudden without Thielen, they're going to double on him on every single play, you know, and that becomes a real issue. So. I just think, to me, it's a problem. I think the problem with, with the NFL is we all look at everything through a straw. And the, the, the bigger picture is if Minnesota has to play against a good passing team, let's say it's Seattle in Seattle, they're going to get torched. It's going to be hard for them to slow that team down. Now, they can do it at home, but can they get it at home? Green Bay, same thing. I mean, if Jarrah Alexander – look, go back to that Cowboy game that they blew out the Cowboys. The first interception, the guy's wide-ass open – and Prescott throws the ball in the back shoulder. Alexander intercepts it. Like, there's some fortunate breaks. Like, I'm going to tell you another fortunate break. Last night, when the Patriots are driving the ball and the Ravens are gassed, I mean, out of gas, right, and Edelman fumbles that thing, if they don't fumble that thing, that game might be a little different. That game might be a little different. And that's why I think in Parcells' terminology, we have to stop anointing teams so quickly because there's these games – that there's just this thin line that happens so quickly that we don't know exactly, you know, it, it leads us to believe this, but really it's not a belief, it's an idea. That's what pisses me off about recommending the Packers. I knew their defense sucked. I knew it. It's a thin line between love and hate, a thin line between winning and losing. And how about the long line that Brandon Allen had to journey? Fourth-year quarterback, first start in over 1,400 days, 1,402. Instead, he leads the Broncos past the Browns. This is how bad the Browns are. They lose 24-19 against a quarterback, and Brandon Allen who hasn't played in over 1,400 days. Allen to Cortland Sutton, a big pass to Noah Fant. Phillip Lindsay ran nine times, 92 yards, and a touchdown as Nick Chubb stymied for 65 on 20 carries. And Baker Mayfield, all they were talking about is facial look. His, his mustache is getting more acclaimed than the fact he threw for 273. The Browns are done. They're 2-6. and six. Anybody that thought, Mike, this was a team that was going to the playoffs, perhaps, God forbid, actually make a run in the playoffs of the Super Bowl, they were badly fooled. This is a 2-6 and six team. They're awful. Yeah, and, and what did they do? They had to cut the whitehead kid who was their starting safety who was sending out threatening tweets. Yeah, he was pissed about the team, exactly. Yeah. Jermaine Whitehead. Then they, they also have the shooter. Like, why is it always that there's something about the Browns? Why is it it's just not focused on football? Well, there's such a void of leadership within the building. I mean, and it's toxic in that building, and it's going to remain toxic in that building because the owner is refuses to, to really understand it. You talk about the five things I laid out for the Johnsons. Well, that they should be the five things for Jimmy Haslam, too, who's a wonderful man, but he listens to a 1,000 people, and he takes notes. That's the scary part. He takes fucking notes, right? He writes it down, but then he asks you the same question later. Like, did you not write that down? Like, you have Pilot Flying J, you've got this conglomerate of, you're a billionaire. I mean, you're not a you're not an M there, you're a billionaire. Like, 
I'm you're you're asking. I mean, I've had one coach in the league that I'm not talking. He he doesn't listen to anything. You know, it's like he writes it down. And so he, this is the mess they've chosen. I mean, Baker Mayfield. We we talked about it before. Whenever Baker Mayfield has to throw the ball 35 times or more, they're not going to win. They're not going to win. They go into the game against this team, and they can't figure out how to win. All they got to do is stop the run, make Brandon Allen beat them. I mean, seriously, it, it's embarrassing that we're even talking about but we all you know we knew this was going to happen they were great you know everything was about them except nothing's about them yeah especially winning right now is something that is eluding them and you go from unsurprising to genuinely surprising and that's the fact the Pittsburgh Steelers could actually make the playoffs they're very much alive right now in the AFC they've won three straight games the safety Minka Fitzpatrick out of Alabama 96 yard interception return was huge uh Mason Rudolph threw for 191 touchdown and a pick you got uh, Trey Edmonds, he's their backup running back. He ran for a career high, 73 yards. And the big one here is you get Adam Vinatieri. He had a go-ahead 43-yard field goal, 114 left, and he goes wide left. We'll discuss Vinatieri and the Colts for a second. But but how about the Steelers, Mike? They're in this thing somehow. I don't even know how. I have no idea. How are they in it? Like, how are they in it? I watched that game, and Rudolph was just not very good. I mean, he gave them a safety in the end zone. Lucky that they fell on top of it. I mean, he was the beneficiary of some horrific. Now, look, let me say this to you. Both teams got screwed on calls. And the one thing that's clear is Al Rip Van Winkle Riveron, who's been sleeping for nine weeks now. <laughs> Rip Riveron, I mean, there's just unbelievable. There's some really horrendous calls in this game that are pass interference calls that just, just basically diminished. And we put this the thing is, we put this rule in for, for pass interference to prevent the catastrophes that happen. We are now in week fucking nine, right? Like when you lose a game to the Steelers and you're the Colts and you become 5-3, and three, those are important games. They're just as important as the conference championship game because if you lose this game, you could be out of it, right? Like, when does it become more important than the other? It, it is, see, it's not important in Week 9 because in Week 9, the next week just goes on. Nobody cares about it. We won't talk about the horrendous calls in the Steeler game. We won't talk about the horrendous calls in some of these other games, right? Riveron can continue to sleep. I mean, last night the, Steel, the Patriots got picked on a play that was so clearly a pick, the guy's wide open, they didn't even challenge it. Like, I, th- that's how bad it's gotten, right? So, you know, and I, and that's not why the Patriots lost. I mean, the Ravens kicked them in the ass. I agree with that. But the calls have been horrendous. I mean, Bruce Arians is going to pull his I mean, Bruce Arians is going to go berserk. He's going to need help. I mean, same thing. Gruden got a ba- pass interference call. And we're in week nine. Now he should wake up. Al's been sleeping for eight fucking weeks. Like, it's time to wake up, Al. <laughs> Like, it's time to wake up. Like, if why are we huming ourselves with this? Like, why doesn't somebody ask the commissioner, like, how is this possible? Like, how is this possible that this call is so bad and it's week nine? These coaches, their poor families are going to have to move because you're going to get them fired because Riveron's been sleeping for eight fucking weeks. It's crazy to think about. Here's another part. Vinatieri missed another field goal. Is it crazy that the Colts are still sticking oh, with so him, Mike? You and I thought he was going to quit after week one or week two. He should have quit. I mean, they got sympathetic. I mean, let's face it. I mean, there's no – like, I'm watching this game, and I'm thinking, okay, last week he made it. This week and – and I recommended the Colts in this game. So I'm sitting there thinking, okay, you know you, – and I had no faith, A, he was going to make it, and B, that the Colts were going to stop Rudolph on the way back to, so the Colts didn't make because Boswell were bombing kicks, you know? I mean, at some point, now the holder screwed him up. He got the laces, but this wasn't like he missed left. Like, this looked like a high school kick to me. Did you see it? 
I didn't see it, no, but that sounds horrible. It looked like a high school kick to me. It was that bad. The ball was it looked like it looked like a bad high school kick. Like it looked like something I would go over to Ocean City High here at Sixth Street in the boardwalk and the wind just took it completely different. Like no, not good. You know, like at some point you got to say to yourself, okay, you're a, like we talk about preserve the pride of the franchise. Look, Adam, you are the measuring stick for every kicker, but it's over. I'm sorry, it's over. It's over. You're costing us jobs. You know, and I mean, I mean they come in, it's funny. I'm sitting there watching and I say to Millie, you know, they need to be really careful with Brian Hoyer in the red zone because I love Brian Hoyer as much as anybody. But there's times where Brian Hoyer thinks, you know, he looks in the mirror and he sees Tom Brady. And he ain't Tom Brady, right? He ain't. He needs to, he can't, you know, like that mirror coming back, it ain't Tommy, right? So when you get in the red area, you know, Brian is the is quintessential 2020 quarterback. You got to keep him for, you know, and then when you get in that red zone, you got to really be careful and manage him. So I say that to Millie. Next touchdown pass. Of course, naturally, I get the commentary. Oh, boy, you really know what you're talking about, right? Touchdown pass, right? So meanwhile, she's more focused on the Jet Miami game over there in the corner, and then he throws the interception back for a touchdown to Minka. And I'm thinking, see, this is classic of what's wrong with Brian Hoyer. He, you know, and he played really well in the game. You know, they didn't miss a beat losing Brissett. I mean, he played really good in the game. You know, they fought hard. I love the Colts. I think Frank Wright does a great job. I think at the end of the game, he got caught up again in having his kicker try to make this kick when, you know, he was worried about the clock. So, you know, he's dealing with four things, right? He's worried about the clock. He's worried about making the kick. He's worried about his kicker's mentality. And he's worried about not turning the ball over. So he's got all this shit going on with him. And naturally, it cost him the game. And, and, that, and that was a killer, killer loss for him. I'm with you. I think it just comes down to sentiment. You get sentimental. This is not a game where you can be sentimental. Coming up after the break, Mike and I eliminate more teams from playoff contention and give out the weekly awards. Plus, Mr. Lombardi, 22-12-1 against the spread. How's he doing now? We'll find out after the break. All right, Mike, you're 22-12-1 going into the week. How'd you do? Uh, horrible. Just uh, to me, uh, just uh, horrible. I mean, I, I I don't understand it. I, Deshaun Watson was just flat out incredible. I mean, how they won that game with half their team, and Minshew. I mean, I like Gardner Minshew, but and I thought that they would throw the ball like the Raiders did against the Texans. Man, did I miss that one bad. I missed that one terribly. I thought that they would move the ball. I thought they would play better defense. I thought without Watson having, you know, Tunsil, without having Will Fuller, without having a complete cast, I lost that. I lost the Colts on the kick. Brissett gets hurt. Hoyer throws the pick sick. I thought I handicapped that game right. And then, of course, I lost the Packers. So I got one game tonight. I got the Cowboys in the seven. Right now I'm 22-15-1 with a lot of apologies. I feel badly because I – I'd go. Sometimes you overthink yourself. You know. Sometimes you overthink. I love Seattle. I love Seattle, and I stayed away from it. And, and I thought for sure Carolina would beat Tennessee, and I stayed away from that because I just never. You know, you get into, caught into these moments. The other thing I thought I, the fifty-fifty game was Detroit. Like I thought for sure whoever that was a flip the coin game. You know, whoever had the ball last was going to win that game, and it ended up being that Detroit couldn't couldn't send the game in overtime. I thought if you had Seattle on the points. If you laid the points in Tampa, Seattle's got a chance to win that game and they missed the field goal, right? That this is you have the Bucks. Let's say you have the Bucks, right? This is how screwed up betting is in the NFL. This is why if you can get 60% accurate, you're a genius. The Seahawks have the ball and they're getting ready to kick the game winning field goal. And the line is four and a half, five. So if you're the Bucks, he makes his field goal, you win, right? You win. He misses it, now you're screwed. 
Because they go to overtime, you lose by six. <laughs> it's crazy how much the one kick could mean. It's so bad. It's so bad. Let's focus on now who are the teams that are going to be missing the playoffs. Which teams have already eliminated themselves? So far, you know, we got the easy ones here. Giants, Jets. You threw in the Bears a week ago. You're right. Bears lose to the Eagles. I mean, that first half. I mean, the Bears were almost negative offensive yardage. We historically poor offensive football from Ditch, Mitch, and company. The L.A. Chargers, you had missing the playoffs. I don't know if we're going to change this. We might have to move them back out of there. I think they beat the Raiders this week. You know, I think the Chargers are going to move, Mike. I think we got to move them out of there. I think they fought, might have found themselves. I think the Chargers could actually make some noise. Tennessee, you have missing the playoffs. Yeah, I think they're out. I definitely do. Tennessee, we're fine with. Miami, we're okay. Denver's not going anywhere. Washington's not making the playoffs. Atlanta, Cincinnati, Arizona, Tampa Bay, Carolina. I don't see how they can do it with based on the other teams in the division. I mean, Minnesota, there's going to be somebody left out. The Rams, the Philadelphia, they're going to be left out. All right, Raiders, Browns, and Detroit. So I, the only one of those teams, I think the Chargers we should actually take out. They could make the playoffs. I think the Chargers and the Raiders we should probably keep out for a second. And is there anybody we've overlooked here that I, I don't think – I think those are all the ones that are completely out of it, right? I think we should move the Raiders back in. We'll let them come back in because I just think, to me, that between the Raiders and the Chargers, something's going to break there. So let's now discuss – Oh, I, I would say this. I would say Jacksonville probably we should move over. I don't see Jacksonville at four and five. I don't think we're getting three teams from the South. So have Jacksonville missing the playoffs, yes. Yeah. Do we have them in there? Not right now. So let's put the Jaguars as missing the playoffs. We're taking out the Raiders and Chargers. Yep, that's right. I, I think that's probably the best bet because, look, I, I don't think Jacksonville's good enough. And what they did yesterday, I mean, they got schooled. I mean, Romeo Cornell did a tremendous job against Filippo because I don't understand how they couldn't move the ball against the, They had no corners. I mean, Jonathan Joseph played yesterday, but the other corners were just out there, and they played great team defense. Give the I, It was a great Texan win. It was an unbelievable Texan win for as down as they were in terms of players and for them to dominate a team that they only beat 13-12 the last time they played them and the second time around you only kick a field goal. Something's wrong with your offensive systems. That's why right now our AFC playoff teams are the same. New England, Baltimore, Houston, Kansas City win their divisions, and the wild cards, I'm loving the Bills. And then I got the Colts, although I, I feel a little shaky. I, the Colts, I almost want to put an asterisk there, Mike, because I, I worry after Vinatieri's missed kick what could happen there. But right now I'm going to go Bills and Colts. I, I think if the Colts don't change kickers, you can't count them as a playoff team. I think they got to change kickers. I think they have to. They're, as much as it, it's going to hurt them to do it, and they love their kicker, but they, I think they have to. I don't see how you can go into this. There's no kick he can make. I mean, I know Pittsburgh's a hard place to make kicks in, and I know the snapper screwed him. But at some point, you just got to say enough is enough. I mean, this is you're going to lose credibility with your team. Like you said, you're costing people jobs, right? If you tell somebody at the end of the day, yeah, I like him. He's a good guy. He's a warrior. Greatest kicker ever. Yeah, it's great. He's going to cost you my job. He's going to cost me money here. we got to make the right decision. Everybody can see it, and you've seen it all season long. The NFC where it gets interesting. You and I have some disparity here. We agree on the Packers winning the division. We agree on the Saints. We agree on the 49ers. But I'm going to move the Eagles back in to win the division ahead of the Clapper, Jason Garrett and the Cowboys. I think the Eagles have figured things out a little bit. I think they've been very inconsistent. They win one, will lose one, lose two, win two, etc. But after they beat the Bills and then they took care of the Bears yesterday, yes, the first half they demolished them and they kind of let the Bears back in the game. But they win it 22-14 and now the Eagles get a bye. So you're 5-4 and four going into the bye. I like them a little bit better down the stretch. And then wild card teams... I'm going to have the Vikings. You have them winning the division. You have the Packers, the wildcard team. But whereas I'm going Seahawks, you're going with the Rams now in as a wildcard team. 
Yeah, I mean, I just worry the Seahawks. I mean, the next four games are the 49ers, Eagles, Vikings, and Rams. I mean, that's a hard road to hoe. And, I mean, if, if Russell Wilson gets through that road and they come into the playoffs, he should win the MVP. Right now, if I had a lean, I'm leaning towards Deshaun Watson as the MVP. I think Russell Wilson, it's 1-1, one, 1-A, one, one 1-B. You can go back and forth. I, I think it's debatable. I heard some people say it's not debatable. It should be Wilson. I think it is. I think if you watch Watson and what he's doing with a bunch of guys around him, same thing Wilson, too. I mean, Wilson's offensive line yesterday was atrocious. They're going to struggle. But I, I'm there. I mean, that's the hard part about the NFC is that's what makes you lose to the Chiefs or the Vikings, no big deal. You, you know, you lose to the Chargers, Packers, no big deal because in the, at the end of the day, that's they're an AFC teams. It really doesn't matter. It's when you get these NFC on NFC games that become problematic, and that's why when the Bears lose to the Eagles, now you're three and five. I mean, you can you, you're working on next year. You know, you think Ryan Pace watched TV last night? As you said, it was the best line you said recently. He's afraid to start his car right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you. After why. last night witness protection yeah i mean he should be like frank pantangeli have that guy out there in the parking lot remember when they had all the people over that house <laughs> it's kind of like even de niro in casino when he starts the car you have one leg out the door that way you know half of your body theoretically could survive you get thrown out of the building you'd be okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah i never understood that either <laughs> all right that's the playoff team let's give out some awards here if you're new to the gm shuffle we gave out awards the other podcast so the first of mike recommends who to go on the lamb i think he'd recommend ryan pace as well with the bears but for the team you're going with the Jets. Yeah, I think Ryan Pace should go on. I mean, Ryan Pace, I mean, seriously, did he watch the first half? Ugh. Seriously, did he watch how bad MVP Mitch was? I mean, it's a joke. And now, don't tell me, well, they made a comeback. Yeah, they made a comeback. I mean, when he had a chance, they had six three and outs in the game. Six three and outs. That's how they started the game. Three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out. They're like, seriously. And people are going to blame Nagy. I mean, some of those people in the ESPN, well, you know, Nagy needs to do better. Yeah, okay, you call plays with this asshole playing quarterback. Seriously, you call plays. See if he's going to execute. You know, I mean, but I think the Jets, look, I think, I mean, I, I Christopher Johnson needs to have a sit down with himself. The only one who's going to solve the Jets problem. There's a great line. Dean Martin had a great line. He said, you know, I feel sorry for the people that don't drink because when they wake up in the morning, that's the best they're going to feel all day. Well, you could replace that with, I feel sorry with Jet fans, because when they wake up on Sunday morning, that's the best they're going to feel all day. <laughs> that's the truth. I love Dean Bird. What a great line. Uh, how about the Fred Palermo Award? This is the best game plan going into the week. You give it to the L.A. Chargers. Huge win. Huge win. I mean, how good was it, right? I mean, you got to give it to them. I mean, look, you could give it to the Ravens, too. I mean, what a great game plan. I mean, but they just did what they did, and the, and the Patriots couldn't stop it. I mean, that's what makes it so effective. They did what they did, and the Patriots couldn't stop it. So, you know, give, give it to the Chargers, who, you know, Rivers, I mean, they got better. I mean, Tevy wasn't the right tackle. They moved Scott over to right tackle. Okun comes back. Their receivers were making plays down the field. And the defense with Ingram and Bosa, I mean, it exposed. I mean, Balaga couldn't block Bosa. I mean, at no point could he block him. At some point, I felt like screaming in the TV, Brian, set inside out on him. Like, set inside out. Don't let him in the, in the, in, in your inner shoulder. Make him go around. It'll take him a little longer to go around. But you set in, you let him go inside of you, you're going to get Rodgers killed. That can't be a happy camp up in Green Bay this week. Brian Balaga looking like the beluga whale. That brings us to the KGB award, the team that got duped this week. As you mentioned, the team that's unhappy right now, the Packers. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, they got duped. They went out there, all the Packer fans, everybody. Do you realize that when, when you looked at the betting spreads, 89 to 93% of the money that came in on all the tickets of the week of the Packer-Charger game, 
93% of the money was on the Packers. Whoa. And so they got duped. I mean, they, they read their – I mean, Rodgers said it after the game. We read our press clippings. We weren't – you know, we were probably – we need to be humbled. There was a lot of humble pie on Sunday for a lot of teams, for the Vikings, for the Packers, you know, for the Colts. I mean, there's a lot of humble pie being given out. Maybe not so much for the Bears because they refuse to accept it, but there's a lot of humble pie out there. For the Patriots – yeah. Why did we win? Why did we lose? Miami wins. They played hard, and the Jaguars lose. No explosive plays. They can't make an explosive play. Like, I kept waiting for them to make a play down the field. There was nothing. They kept dinking and dunking the ball. You know, and Fournette's not going to – I mean, I know sometimes he'll make it, but there's no explosiveness. And I know DJ Chark's had a good season this year for the Jaguars, but at some point you got to make an explosive play against a team that really had no – that was given up. I mean, the Raiders moved the ball up and down the field on them. It was really disappointing. If you don't know, now you know. <laughs> Ryan Pace is in witness protection. Can we have a funeral, please? <laughs> yeah, can we have a yeah, funeral? Yeah, Joe, get for some the funeral music. Can we just do it, you know? <laughs> I mean, that first half, yeah. Mike, think I mean, about we... the Eagles secondary. And I know they're getting healthier now. They're getting Rasul Douglas back, Avante Maddox. They made the Eagles look like the 85 Bears. <laughs> it was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. I mean, how do you not bench him after to start the second half? Well, the reason I think you didn't bench him. Here's what I think would happen. I think they were going to bench him. I really do. But then when the Eagles came out of the second half and took the kickoff and went eight plays, 75 yards, got six first downs and scored, the game became 19 to nothing. I think they said, okay, that's, you know. And then, of course, they mounted a comeback. But, of course, after they scored the touchdown, right, they had six three and outs. They go seven plays, they get the touchdown. Now it's starting to feel like maybe we're back in it. Immediately a three and out. Immediately a three and out, right? And then, oh, maybe we're back in it again. No, eight plays. Fit. Now we're back. touchdown again. We're back in it, right? We're back in it. Up oh, four and out. There we go. I mean, they never had a chance. They had the ball. They had the ball 19 minutes in the game. Can you imagine that? 19 Eagles defense played 19 minutes. And they only played like nine minutes in the first half. Yeah, it was incredible the way they just completely shut down Trubisky and company. Who is courageous? Who is desperate? Desperate, the Chargers. Courageous, the Seahawks. I thought the Seahawks, that was a great win. I mean, look, they're not the Seahawks, the Seahawks, the Vikings, the Packers, all liability on defense. Who figures it out is going to be the team that wins. And the and they were courageous. They played hard. They fought. I mean, you know, of course, Winston was good for the one turnover. He got the ball slapped out of his hand. But, I mean, I felt bad. You could see it's getting to Arians. Arians got into it with Brian Leftwich on the sidelines. Like, I don't understand. If you hired Arians to save your quarterback and you paid Arians six, seven, eight million a year, why is Leftwich calling plays? Like, seriously, why is Leftwich calling? Like, I, we hired you. That's what we hired. You're the best coach on the staff. You coach. Like, we're paying you to coach. Like, this whole notion, I'm going to be Bear Bryant and stand on the sideline and let everybody, I'm coaching the coaches. Like, that don't work anymore. Like, you know, Bear was just, I, it was funny. When I would go to Alabama, they had this old guy that was a referee, who referees practices for Alabama. He's in his 90s. He plays golf every day, shoots scratch golf. Tremendous man. He would tell me Bear stories. He said, Bear would be asleep up there. And he would sleep for so long that literally, like Al Riveron, he would be sleeping up in the tower that nobody would stop practice because the only time we could go in is when Bear whistled us in. And if he's sleeping up there, nobody knew. He couldn't shake the tower. So they just kept practicing. You just had the great houndstooth caps. So nobody wanted to bother Look, him. Just bears up there. Doing let bears. the bear sleep. <laughs> Follow us on Instagram at the GM Shuffle. Closing thought, Cowboys, Giants. How do you like the clapper? Jason Garrett, that offense going up against the Giants defense, Daniel Jones in prime time. I think this is a big game for the Clapper. It's a big time for the Clapper. Eagles are on his heels. He's got a national audience to watch his team, right? He's got to look at it, get the ball to Elliott, let him catch it in the backfield. A bad Giant team, right? You got a chance to go to 5-3. and three. 
got to make sure that you're ahead of the Eagles because you got the Vikings coming to town next week. If you lose this one, you go four and four. Eagles five and four. Oh, it's going to be tough sled. And you could be you could be out. The Cowboys lose this game. It could be elimination for them because they're going to have a hard time with all these other hard games that they have to go. This is one they have to win. You had to let down against the Jets, which looks even more uh, disgusting than it did when you did do it. You got both tackles. You're healthy. You got Michael Bennett on defense. You should win by two touchdowns. Another great edition of the GM Shuffle. As always, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe, rate, and review. Spread the word, especially for the Thursday show. We're twice a week here, okay? Mondays and Thursdays. And Thursdays, the gambling advice. Mike gives you some great picks in that one. A good mention of Frankie Pantangeli and an even better one of Rip Van Winkle. Don't sleep on the GM Shuffle.